Hi there. You just caught me reading my brand new book, Twin Peaks Unwrapped. The book. Me and my co-host Ben Durant wrote this last year and is now finally out at bluerosebag.com. This book contains over 100 interviews with cast and crew, community commentary, and of course, us. For example, here are some of the fine folks you'll find in this wonderful book. Krista Bell, Charlotte Stewart, David Patrick Kelly, Jim Belushi, John Neff, Scott Frost, Cheryl Lee, Matthew Lillard, and the one, the only, Kyle McLaughlin. So get your copy today at bluerosemag.com. Welcome to Twin Peaks Unwrapped. I'm your host, Ben Durant, and beside me is... Brian Kazaska. Hi, Brian. Hey, Ben. How are you doing this week? Going good, going good. Um, This week, we, we got a pretty substantial We got interview. a Whitman on the show this week. Yeah, yeah. Stuart Strauss, he is uh, got a new website, stuartstrauss.net, and he's going to ha- has a new podcast. I always like the right time to talk to you. And I thought, hey, he's doing this stuff now. This would be a great time to catch up with him. We get to hear about what he's into. And we get to talk about Twin Peaks and him playing the woodsman. Yeah, so cool. So without further ado, we are here with Stuart Strauss. Um, people might know him as one of the woodsmen on Twin Peaks Season 3. But he's been in plenty of other shows and films. You just didn't know it. So happy we get to have you on the phone today. Ah, well, thanks, gentlemen. I certainly appreciate it. I'm glad to be here with you. I was looking at your history, and I'm very interested in this. Um, How did you go from being an engineer in broadcasting to um, getting these small, uncredited parts in TV and film? Uh, Well, there's quite a few years in between. Hmm. Yeah, and engineering. Yeah, I studied all of that in school, but the intent was always to be either, uh, you know, a DJ, you know, on radio, Mm -hmm. or you do all of your own engineering. I don't think I ever had an engineer, at least not for very long. Mm -hmm. And if you do overnights at a radio station, you might be controlling, well, up to seven or eight of them, or maybe more in some places. Wow. Uh, You know, because so many of them go into automation today. Yeah. You just go in and take all the tests, you know, check all the, uh, you know, stuff for the FCC and all of that, which was a daily thing. But uh, how do you make the transition? I've always been a creative. I don't know. And it doesn't have to be acting. It doesn't have to be music. You know, almost anything that calls on your creativity and especially things that have some level of physicality to them. You know, hands-on, which yeah. engine. Certainly does. DJing certainly does. Spinning vinyl certainly does. You know, so um, any of those things, or or a whole lot more. You know, 
and uh, usually a happy camper, at least for some time, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, it's funny because I, I did radio. I did college radio, and then, you know, huh. uh, Ben, he worked at uh, the local um, college. college that I did radio at, and that's how we met. And um, radio and TV has always fascinated both of us. Mm-hmm. And um, going into doing podcasting, it was just like the next logical step. And it almost seems like, I mean, we'll, like yeah. Yeah. And it seems the same for you in some ways. I mean, I think we'll talk more about it, but you're, you've got oh, a podcast yeah. coming out. Well, let, let me start with when I signed up. I went back to school uh, for at least the second time in the late 80s at Pasadena City College here in Southern California. And a very, very renowned school for uh, for the television trade, more so than film, at least back in those days. Hmm. You'd hardly walk into a studio, stage, post house where somebody didn't come out of PCC, you know, um, quite, quite uh, good. So anyhow, while I was there, taking broadcasting television classes, you know, to learn how to run a TV show, you know, work a TV show. The radio station was right next door, KPCC, which is an NPR affiliate here in Southern California. And being part of national public radio, they've got pretty high standards to live up to on a daily basis. So to let a student on the air, you really have to have done your homework, you know, and back when I was there, it was all about big band and swing music, and basically the swing era. So I spent time interning um, for the program director who had a talk show, who did daily interviews with all kinds of different folks, uh, authors, writers, you know, um, Larry Mantle is who I'm talking about. And uh, Larry Mantle's air talk. God, he's been he's been on the air well over thirty years now wow. in public radio here, and uh, which is quite an achievement in itself, you know, just to stay in this market any length of time. Yeah. Um, so, but Larry taught me a lot without necessarily, you know, teaching me, just being in the room with him, you know, uh, for interviews, pre-interviews, uh, that sort of thing, and then you know, my thing was on the air was music. And again, you had to be first in it. So I probably spent a year, year and a half actually studying that era, you know, listening to things and, you know, digging deeper because that's what I like to do. And, um, you know, went back to, yeah, so I've got a, you know, pretty wide uh, gambit, you know, when I'm DJing, I can, um, especially like at weddings, I can pretty much give you any era you want, Mm. the authentic (laughs) You know the real deal. That's say, cool, you know. man. That's that's pretty cool. Now, when you um, you got into doing uh, these uncredited roles, you know, I was looking at your IMDb, and you've done so yeah. many. How? What was your favorite oh, one? That's just called being an extra. You know, <laughs> I know, I know. You know, you reminded me of um, uh, Ricky Gervais's extras. Have you ever seen that show? Oh, sure, of yeah, course. Great. Was there jealousy among the extras? Like, you got a speaking role, and oh, you're like, they hated you the next sure, day? Sure, oh. But if you get a speaking role, you're no longer an extra. Uh, oh. Automatically, you're upgraded to, uh, you know, principal or at least a supporting cast. 
you know, and I've had a few of those and, you know, other things, mostly music videos, things that I'm still not speaking in. So, you know, and where I have spoken, it's either been cut or the director didn't want to give me credit or they didn't want to pay for it. Oh. Uh, because, well, in television, and I'm not going to name names, but I will tell you this, a lot of shows do this. Oh. They will have an extra as a waiter, waitress, bartender. In my case, this last season, say on stage as a stand-up comic. And you'll be up there and, you know, you won't have any lines. There's no dialogue because you're not speaking. So you're just pantomiming. And uh, silently, you know, that's what that means, right? Yeah. You know, you got a lot of extras. That's what that means, though. <laughs> but anyhow... So, yeah, you'll be up there, and uh, the director might even ask you if you can say this, and then a higher-up will say, no, no, you can't speak, or whatever it may be. You watch the show a couple months later, and they hired a voiceover guy oh. to say whatever was whatever you were lip-syncing, or what, at least lip-syncing to what you were pantomiming. Wow. At, if they can read your lips well enough. <laughs> If not, then when your head is turned, and I've had this happen too, uh, when your head is turned, and this happens a lot with uh, waiters and waitresses, things like that, they'll come up to take an order at a table, and then you see the actors at the table, but then you'll hear a voice. What are you going to have? You don't actually see them say it. Wow. So, you know, when your head's turned, when my head's been turned and things, you'll hear a voice come out of it that's not mine, that had you know, I had no awareness of the day of, you know. Yeah. So, wow. Yeah, but that's common practice. I hate to say it, but it is. Huh. It's, it, it's, it's very interesting. For the, yeah, I mean, it's, you know. I think it's crummy. I think it's, it's terrible. They I, should, they should well, be. it's the way of the world. Yeah. You know, it's, uh, they don't have to pay you if they don't have to pay you. Yeah. And it's kind of that's it. Or, you know, or the golden rule. You know, I was in the casino industry for quite a while, and a poker dealer, casino shift manager here in Southern California as well, different things. And I got to host uh, different people as they'd come in. And Amarillo Slim, his real name, I couldn't tell you. Mm. But he was a poker legend before poker was on, you know, TV and uh, became, you know, a social sport, <laughs> you know, mm. as big as it has been. But he was one of the uh, real characters, famous people. He once told me he was in the club one night, and I was maybe having a uh, you know a little peeved with the general manager. He was peeved with me, and um, just said, "Well, you know, you got to remember the golden rule, and it's mm -hmm. real simple: those who make the gold make the rules." Oh, <laughs> well, that's says you want to be treated or treat others. Oh. Yeah. yeah. Now I've heard it a lot since. It's really yeah. those who have the gold make. Wow. So, uh, but yeah, that was Amarillo Slim. <laughs> wow. Now, do so, you have any favorite moments from any of these films oh or TV shows? Like, oh, of course, so many. Well, let's see. I would say, well, Staying Alive, the very first time I worked as an extra, um, I got, well, Sylvester Stallone was directing. This was huh. early. Of course. It was John Travolta starring, and this yeah. was, you know, the sequel to Saturday Night Fever. This is when, 
you know, if not for Quentin Tarantino in 1994, yeah. you know, this movie was one of those things that might have sunk, you know, Travolta. So, you know, yeah. anyway, not great a movie, <laughs> but it's on every year. It's on every year. I but the, the part of it was that was so much fun was that whoever was doing placement just kept using me. I was on the dance floor. I was at the bar. I was in the aisle, and when I was at the bar, I was maybe one of two people at the bar while Travolta was having a scene with the bartender, you know, things like that. So being in the action is, of course, I love that. Um, Warren Beatty came and visited the set, you know, one day. So, you know, as a newbie, you know, on a film set, that was pretty impressive company to be around. That's okay. Um, yeah, and then... Time went on, 20 years went by before I really did another extra gig, although I was in Oh God, You Devil around the same time as Staying Alive. But 20 years went by, I'd been living in Tahoe. It was the second time I was living in Lake Tahoe, um, but primarily so I could ski. You know, that was my thing for many years. Um, but anyhow, um, while in Tahoe, they were filming the, mu the movie Smoke and Aces. Mm-hmm. Uh, directed by Joe Carnahan and oh, you know long list of stars were in that one and some people that became much bigger after that movie as well but they kind of took over state line Nevada you know where the casinos were and any area they were shooting in for a day or two and you'd see the trucks you know lined up along a two-lane highway you know against the lake so anyway, they had an open call one day on the radio for a weekend, you know, booking background from locals. And, uh, and you know, Tahoe was in an act. You don't move to Lake Tahoe to become an actor, <laughs> you know, or a musician or an artist. Some people will argue with that all day long, but um, I left for those very reasons, you know, yeah. for more diversity, more to get to the heart, get back to the heart of things, so, which I feel this is. Uh, not that it's the only heart, but, you know, you're going to get in a bigger city, especially L.A., you know, so or New York or probably Chicago. And now I wouldn't doubt if in Detroit, New Orleans and Atlanta, too. You know? Yeah. I mean, even so, here. Making movies. There's, Where are you guys? We're in Where? Connecticut, but they make ah, movies in Massachusetts and Connecticut like all the time. New York, you yes. know, and. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, I'm. I'm well aware of that, you know, especially some of the stuff in and out of Boston. Yes, yeah. So, yeah, uh, the whole world's a movie set. Yeah, <laughs> nowadays yeah, it is. Or it can be, yeah. We're going to jump into some Twin Peaks stuff. So last year was the summer of Twin Peaks for us, but I kind of feel like last year was the summer of uh, you as well because you were on two shows back-to-back -back on Showtime, yeah. and I bet you a lot of people didn't even realize that guy is in both of these shows. Right. And I'm dying yeah. up here. Yeah, yeah I'm dying up here. So how did that make you feel to see your work back-to-back -back on Showtime for Pretty last summer? special. Yeah. Um, yeah. It, was a, it was a great feeling last, you know, when it was on last year. Sure. Uh, now, that only happened a time or two where I was actually in both shows on the same night. But it was as exciting, to say the least. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So, yeah, and then Showtime actually made note of it, you know, or put a, put something out on Twitter around that time because, uh, let's see, you know, Robert Forster and Nicola Liberté were both in, in both shows. 
yeah. they were each in one episode and outstanding in the episodes that they were in. Uh, you know, Robert Forster was in the pilot. Yep. And, um, you know, quite dramatic. Mm. Actually, Kathy Moriarty played his wife in that. And that was something to see between them, you know. Yeah. And, uh, and then Nicole played a groupie, like at a Hollywood party Led Zeppelin was putting on or something like that. Huh. And I won't really go into it, but that girl reached like, you know, two or three levels in a five-minute scene. It yeah, was something. Something. that Daria. You know? Yeah. Oh, oh yeah. I mean, she's something. Oh, yeah. And guess what? I watched it and didn't know that I was watching her. I didn't <laughs> know that I was watching the same actress that played Daria. I hadn't met her yet, I don't think. No, I'm sure I hadn't. I, I had to go back and watch it again. It's, oh, my God, that's her. That's Nicole. Yeah. You know. Because I've watched so, I'm Dying Up Here, and I, I don't remember her either. So I mean, now I need episode, to go back, too. Yeah. I'll tell you right now. It's either, I think it was episode five or six okay. of, you know, season one. Yeah. And Ari Grainer as Cassie is at this party probably with Andrew Santino. I don't remember exactly. And she walks into this bedroom, and there's this girl laying there naked waiting for the next rock star to walk in, more or less. Hmm. You know, it was kind of my impression. I mean, you know, she's high and everything. Anyway, that was Nicole. Yeah, I didn't remember her until I went, till after I saw credits and went back like a week later and said, wait a minute, that was her? Isn't that something? You know? So, yeah, yeah, quite an actress. I mean, she really is, and a sweetheart, too, you know. Yeah, we we've talked. To, I think I got to talk yeah. to her on the show, and 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 she does. She has a small part in Twin Peaks too, and she's very memorable. I mean, mm -hmm. I I keep forgetting. Yeah. I think she was only in one episode. Was there two episodes? Two. Yeah. And and uh, that had to be was. I feel like it, really only the. I think it was only. I think. Yeah, she was only in the first couple, and then she gets killed right, off. Right, but she's so memorable. Yeah. yeah. How did you get the part for Twin Peaks? Well, it started with a casting notice on a subscription service that I use that a lot of people use here. It's an online service called uh, Casting Networks, LA Casting. And they were looking for, oh, it didn't say Twin Peaks <laughs> at that point, but it just kind of said the character types, you know, longer hair, facial hair, um, more middle-aged, you know? Yeah. And, um, and character types. So I submitted, and I've submitted for probably a hundred other things that had a similar description, if not the same description. And um, anyway, you know, got a text back asking um, a little more info. And then uh, they wanted to see a, a short video at this point saying hello to David. At this point, I'm sure I knew it was David Lynch. Wow. I wasn't clear that it was Twin Peaks, though. They might, I think the word woodsman may have been used, but I didn't know what that meant. Yeah. Mm. You know, and there was a reference to Twin Peaks, but I thought that was only for the, like, uninformed, you know, like if you didn't know David Lynch was, you know, here's yeah. something that he's done. Uh, so it wasn't clear, at least to me, maybe I shouldn't say that because it might have been very clear to others. But anyway, I just they just wanted to see a quick little video saying your name and hello to David. And that's what I did. 
less than five seconds. It took me a few takes, but I wanted to just keep it very, very simple, down to earth, you know, mm. staging. Just that was it. Sent it in and uh, got the gig. So it's cool. that's basically how it was. Yeah. Uh, didn't, you know, then found out soon after what we were doing. Everything was a deep, dark secret from yeah. that moment on, you know. So. I, did you get a script? I mean, when you were. No. No, you never. Not once. Wow. Nor would I ever need one. Yeah, I, so it was I, really just David saying, okay, I want you to do this, I want you to do that. and Yeah, and that's kind of what what I usually do anyway. Hmm. I rarely get a script. If it's a one-on-one scene, I mean, I've had scenes in the last, you know, with, with lots of folks, you know, from, you know, Susan Sarandon to Gary Sinise and, you know, the Kay Walsh, Corey, lots of people one-on-one. And um, <clears throat> I never looked at their scripts yeah They've never the i don't need it usually all i need is a little pretense you know where we're going and, and hopefully a rehearsal mm-hmm. i mean please give me a rehearsal mm-hmm. a chance to at least see where they're going and i'll go with them you know but and, and did I, david lynch give you a rehearsal did he what did he give you that oh yeah, yeah yeah david definitely we always rehearsed which i totally like i say to me that's all i really need yeah you know a little better understanding but i don't need more than that and uh in most cases you know i've had a few maybe that you know i could have used a little more than that but we just usually wing it but that's you know i mean part of my skill maybe is that the improv and you know fairly you don't think you know you just do yeah. Uh, kind of thing. I mean, it's it's really the rule of improv. Yeah. You know, you just respond, and and hopefully they like your response. And if they don't, that's the beauty of a rehearsal. Yeah. And they mm-hmm. say, oh, that's a little over the top, or we need you to be more over the top, you know, yeah. or whatever it may be. And you know, hopefully I get it the second time, and they commit it to film or tape or digital chip, mm-hmm. and um, off to the races. So like I'm dying here, same thing, never had a script or anything else. They might do, for one scene, they might do three or four different setups with two or three cameras, which means they're going to move those cameras around, and each time they do, the lights and, you know, filters, Mm -hmm. everything has to be moved, microphone, you know, make it look like they, you know, like there isn't that that stuff isn't on the set, right? Yeah. Yeah. Standard movie making or filmmaking. But what I'm getting to is, and a lot of shows, a lot of directors do it that way, commercials even more so. What I'm kind of getting to is with David, with Clint Eastwood, with, you know, I'm told with Woody Allen, I've never worked with him, but I have worked with these other guys. Hmm. And uh, even Tom Hanks, one take, if they like what they get the first time, there isn't a second. Wow. And with David, there was never more than three takes in anything I did with him. You know, we yeah. did takes, you know, so. Cool. And Clint Eastwood, same thing. One, two takes, you're done. Cool. Next, yeah, moving on. So, yeah, there was multiple woodsmen. What, yeah. Was, were you, like, a number? Like, were your woodsman number one? Or, like, how did they yeah, differentiate well, you? no, no, nothing formal. And we had, no, none of us had any idea when or where or how <laughs> yeah. these would appear and we were all so you know I was certainly wrong the only other person I knew was Christian Calloway 
you know, we'd worked before together before Twin Peaks. We were thinking like what we did in part 17 in the sheriff's office yeah. when Lucy yeah. shot uh, Bad Coop. Mm-hmm. We come in, you know, and Bob gets removed. Then Freddie comes in with his green glove. We didn't, well, of course, we didn't know anything about any of that. But I kept thinking in the beginning, because I didn't know anything about Dougie or Bad Coop, I kept thinking that was going to be like in the second or third hour, fourth hour, fifth hour. Oh, wow. And then realized after a while, no, that's not coming for a while. This Dougie is here to stay, mm-hmm. you know. And, you know that's how we felt week to week. I know I did. <laughs> yeah. We didn't know what was going on. We're like, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, my, the jail scene, which was me, you know, in part two, but also seen, you know, in the premiere, I had no idea when that was going to be used, if it would be used at all, wow. and where it was supposed to be. Hmm. I never knew we were in North Dakota, you know. Yeah. I certainly remember, well, I mean, it's a day I'll never forget, you know, being in the actual uh, location, which... Uh, I don't think it's a secret anymore, but uh, you guys know where that was? I know a lot of the fans, you know, go on tours of these things. Yeah, a lot of things. There's been photos of that jail cell. I don't know. Well, it's a lot, I'm just going to come right out with it. It was the Los Angeles Police Museum, oh. which is in South Pasadena. A lot of people do know that. Yeah. That's so cool. I don't think it's a secret anymore. No. Um, you know, and we've all seen it by now. So, yeah, it's a really cool place, and it looks very much the way it did. At least those jail cells look dark, musty, dingy. So, And then add the lighting and what David and the crew did with it, you know, and, <laughs> you know, quite eerie, right? And it's you, though, too. I mean, you you brought this, yeah. this presence and this kind of, like, this mystery and the kind of it was kind of horror. I mean, it's kind of like spooky. It's like, whoa, what just happened? And then I make sure this is something that they do. Of course, after pose, your head floats away. And we're all oh, co- well, you know, <laughs> perplexed. Of course, I didn't know that was coming at all. Yeah. You know, so when I saw it, I mean, even just leading up to it, just seeing myself in the jail cell at all before I disappeared, just the fact that I was there in david lynch's world in twin peaks i was ecstatic i was elated i was so relieved i had so much anxiety leading up to this because you know everyone that knew you know that was in it or involved all said that this is kind of what happened is was gonna happen but um you know i've heard a lot of things in hollywood you know, right up to this last weekend, people always talk. It doesn't mm-hmm. mean much. Right. So after a while, it's kind of in one ear and out the other. If something comes to something, fantastic, you know. So in this case, it came in spades, you know. It's mm-hmm. been awesome. And so, like, they, they kind of, you're, you're in all black, your face is all black. And, like, what, what do you make of all that? Like, what do you okay, make of... first of all, <laughs> my jacket was more a tan color i was wearing a torn up sweater underneath that kind of a khaki green work pants and hiking boots <laughs> and even the hat nothing on my face was blackened other than the appearance of the makeup there were many layers of makeup and uh, only you know some of it was black i mean i think there was probably black mascara in there and stuff <laughs> like that but it wasn't as black as you think. Interesting. You know? That's something. Yeah. Yeah. So when you're playing this uh, this character, do you think 
are I'm playing a man or am I playing a monster or what what is your interpretation of this woodsman? I did, again didn't give it a lot of thought. Yeah. You know, I mean what what I do do <laughs> is once I was in makeup and wardrobe and the first day and night of that was in the desert in part 8. That's the first thing we actually filmed mm. as woodsmen in Southern California. So that was um, October 29, 2015, right? Cool. Wow. So that's when that was actually filmed. That's awesome. Yeah. That one night, you know, where the cars were on the dark road and, you know, Robert sang his line, got a light, got a light, <laughs> you know, so anyhow. And why does Robert get a line and not you? Like what? <laughs> oh, goodness. Come on. Come on. That's, no. uh, and especially because you know, you're a, light, you were a DJ, light. so you would have been perfect for it. No. Uh, oh, well, you know. I mean, it was, look, uh, I'll tell you that story as briefly as I can. It's, there were four of us that night. There was Christian Calloway, uh, another guy, I think his name was Jerry, been through this before, mm -hmm. none of us can remember him because we only worked with him a couple times. Real good guy, Yeah. rode a bike in, he used to work in Sons of Anarchy. Man even gave me a, like a pack of small cigars from Sons of Anarchy, a souvenir. Wow. That's cool. Which is pretty cool, which I still have here, you know. Anyway, there were four of us, and Robert being the fourth. Once we were in makeup and wardrobe, and which, you know, again, the first time, so it was an, an experiment. You know, try this jacket on, try those pants, a little less under the eyes, a little more, you know, on the forehead, or, you know, whatever they were doing. Took a while to refine it. We'd met David Lynch earlier in the day, just briefly, when we all got there to uh, base camp. You know, we all said hello, shook hands. Then we didn't see him again for several hours. They were probably filming other things while we were doing all this. So when they took us out to the location, they <clears throat> pretty much waited till dusk before they took us to the location. And we sat in a trailer, whatever it may have been, with a snake wrangler, by the way, right <laughs> by our side. You know, they were out there with, you know, looking for rattlers and such. So uh -huh. they would find us, you know. <laughs> Anyhow, uh, so we get out there. We lined up. The four of us lined up. And I didn't know Sabrina yet. I mean, the only person I recognized was David Lynch, you know. Yeah. So, <clears throat> but he came up, looked at each one of us, smiled. He was, you know, pleased with what he saw. And he was always so nice and friendly anyway. He always looked you in the eyes, smiled, said hello, you know. Hmm. Anyway, he looked at us. He got to Robert, who was the last person in line, and he just said to him, can you say, got a light? He didn't say that to Christian or to me or just to Robert. So, he, you know, he asked Robert, okay, he took Robert and Christian. First, he took them out. This was right at dusk. You know, we're in the desert where you kind of see the scenes where they kind of come up through the, through the uh, you know, from, from the ground. You know, or whatever, early on in part eight. Anyway, they filmed that before it was totally dark, you know, but it was getting dark. So that was really a trip, the way they did that. Waited until it was dark and then set up the rest of it. So that was day one. Yeah, and I didn't, wow. I didn't see, I mean, I was reviewing some of these and I didn't see you, but did you, you go? You can't see me. No, yeah. you're not going to see me in that section of part eight. You okay. see me in the other section of part eight, though. Right. When, when Ray uh, shoots Cooper. Yeah. And you see all the woodsmen running through the forest. Mm. Uh, I'm there. And then you see some guys kind of circling around Ray. Yeah. While he's kind of, you know, until he runs away. 
Well, I, I was one of those guys. So. <laughs> nice. And I like the way they did that effect because it seems like they're going around and... and like transparent like, almost. Transparent and duplicates or I don't know. Yeah. It's a really cool effect that they did. Well, uh, you know, it's uh, David's a pretty imaginative guy. Yeah. Hmm. But I will say that we, you know, ran that through that forest more than once, hmm. you know. Yeah. Yeah. So that's that was that night and... Yeah, so, hey, listen, just to be there in part eight twice, I mean, the part of the, the thing that was like, you know, kind of blew up the world here for a minute. Really? Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it was pretty cool. And But I was, you know, I was in part two, then part eight, then part 11 on top of the stairs when Gordon Cole had his vision um, and saw the three bearded men on the stairwell. So I was on the top of the stairs in that scene. And then in part 17, when Lucy shot Cooper, you know, and the three woodsmen came into the sheriff's office. So, you know, which was maybe a total of six days of work for me, spread out from the end of October to maybe the end of March the next year. Hmm. Yeah. So I wasn't there often, but it was always, you know, the outfit, the wardrobe, all of that was always waiting for me. And how long do you think it takes uh, to get uh, into wardrobe and makeup? Well, like I say, after the initial time, the wardrobe was always waiting for me. So it was always the same clothes. You know, all I had to do was put them out of the same order. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And then going to makeup, it would that could be anywhere from an hour and a half to two, maybe, maybe even more times. You know, depending on what they were doing and matching things. You didn't always have the same makeup artist. So the first time around, if they were happy with the way they had it, they, you know, would take a lot of pictures and things because maybe a month later, that particular makeup artist was, you know, working on a movie in Europe. And, uh, you know, so it would be somebody else doing it under the same supervisors, though. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You know. And by the way, those supervisors, that was Debbie uh, Zoller. Yep. Uh, yeah. And, and Richard, uh, and God, I hate to blow Richard's last name, because that's, I spent the most time with him in the truck, you know. Cool. Um, a hair truck and all that. But those guys were just up for Emmys for the show. Yeah. Because she did an amazing, they all did a great job when it came yeah. to makeup. Yeah. Well, I mean, hey, that was big part of the magic, you know. Totally. A big part of the magic. Also, so what I was kind of getting to earlier, too, is part of that. If I had a contribution, and I did, you know, we all did, everyone did. Mm. But it was early on, as soon as I saw myself in the makeup and the wardrobe in a mirror, I just started looking for a character there, mm. you know, looking for something that worked. And I've been using my eyes for a long time because you can't speak, right, as an yeah. extra. So you say a lot with your eyes at times. And, um, you know, so anyhow, plus it keeps you silent. It keeps your arms from flailing around, and, you know, things yeah. like that. It just kind of works with your eyes. I'm glad you mentioned your eyes because I feel like in the jail cell you did that. And maybe that actually inspired uh, David to do the floating head. Because, uh, you know, I well, feel it could be. I think yeah. so. I think, the more I think about it, the, I loved how you kind of always looked up in your eyes and 
I, I would I wouldn't put it past Lynch to be in, in post looking at this and say his head needs to float away or something. But, but yeah, well, yeah, someone sure came up with yeah. it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, when people tell me that they like that was the most frightening thing. Yeah. That they'd seen, you know, or, or knew that they were now watching Twin Peaks. It was like the first thing that kind of said it was a Lynch show to them, you know. Yeah. yeah. And to me, I couldn't, I literally came out of my chair. I mean, I was rolling on the floor laughing. You know, <laughs> so hard, um, you know, because it was the last thing in the world I expected to see. <laughs> totally. I mean, it still busts me up, so. Someone threw out a while back fan theory that almost the same idea because of my eyes being like that, it mm. inspired them to write the poem that Robert Brosky read later on. Oh, but you know what? It's just a fan theory, right? I like it though. I like to believe that's true. Yeah, Why I like the to eyes? believe it, you mm -hmm. know, for my ego, if nothing else, right? But, um, but yeah, so I thought maybe that's what you were going to say. No, I was just I was just taken by that you said you did things with your eyes, and I thought, boy, yeah, I remember seeing that jail cell and how your your eyes would look up, and I said, I bet you David Lynch saw that and said his head needs to float away. <laughs> it just seems like something that maybe you inspired that him. Could be. Yeah, well, that could very well be. I mean, it was my idea, uh, the eyes. Yeah. You know, uh, he the posture, the posing, all of that was pretty much him. You know, the angle of the bed, everything I was sitting on. Yeah. You know, it was pretty much him. But the listening with my eyes was pretty much me. Totally. You know, people thinking that I was in part seven, because I was the only one that had been identified. That wasn't me. That was a guy named Gabriel hmm. that disappeared walking down the hallway. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I thought, uh, well, first, I thought well, that too. Well, yeah. yeah. Well, that's what most people thought. It was even in Vox.com. Uh, Pretty yeah. reputable, you know, publication. That was one of the few things that ever printed my name, hmm. you know. But they were wrong too, because it wasn't me. Yeah. So, so finally, by part eight, I'd probably been asked a couple hundred times if that was me in part seven. So after part eight, I just kind of took the liberty of saying no, it wasn't. And um, and then I said it was the same guy you just saw excising Bob out of back <laughs> too. Well, the word excising. You know, I just used it figuratively. Yeah. You know, they removed, as they were, did remove something from them, right? Yeah. So that's, you know, you can use excise. Anyway, it came down as like Woodsman explains part eight and was on Reddit. <laughs> you know, I mean, it was like, so two days later, I got a call from Sabrina Sutherland. Oh, no. who, yeah, I'd never heard from until you know since the last day i worked and i wouldn't have known who she was yeah you know really um just part of the crew i suppose you know is what i would have thought but anyway she told me right then and there you know be careful what you say and right. don't do any more of this until this show is over you know i was saying yeah I and mean, that's what she did for everybody and i, and I know they want to mm -hmm. keep it a secret and they don't want anything even though you weren't really saying anything really but yeah anything know, is yeah, something I mean, you know the whole thing i mean what she always said and everyone does keep the mystery alive right so after that there were ground rules but honestly I didn't need to know. Mm. I rarely need to know. Just kind of tell me what I'm doing, what the posture is. Let me, you know, hear the scene. I'll, if you don't come up with something for me, I'll come up with something for me. 
you know? Yeah. Mm. But in this case with David, it was always very much more precise. I mean, there wasn't that much left to your imagination. Mm. You know, uh, there was some, you know, but from the posture, the way we came into the room in part 17, all of that was worked out, you know. Uh, but what we were and why we were was never, ever discussed. Now, after, uh, you know, Twin Peaks had aired and everything, did anybody recognize you on the street? Like, hey, I recognize you, but I just don't know oh, where. God, no. No? <laughs> oh. Never. Well, I, I I shouldn't say never. It's it's happened now, you know. But yeah. It's, it's still really rare. Yeah. Back then, I'll tell you how unrecognizable I am. When they had the first pop-ups, uh, which were last summer, or a year ago last summer, I guess, or maybe around this time a year ago, and they had these pop-ups here in L.A. and Hollywood, and they invited as many of the Twin Peaks cast that could make it, you know, and a lot of us live, you know, around here, so, and it was exciting for us, you know, to be invited to anything. It was sure. great for me, so. Hmm. Um, but we got there, and, you know, they asked us to kind of go mix in the line and just, you know, talk to people in line and stuff. So Christian Calloway and myself, and you saw Christian quite a bit, too, in the show. He mm -hmm. was, you know, with Cooper, um, you know, the bad Cooper early on in part eight there. That's the first time you saw him. Hmm. He also took care of crushing uh, Bill Hastings' head, even though we didn't see that. We just kind of assume it. Oh, yeah. So. And he maybe didn't, but Bill Hastings was dead after Christian's scene, so <laughs> mm -hmm. um, I'm going to assume that yeah. Christian did, you know, so, but it was the two of us. Oh, and he had other scenes besides. He walked Cooper up the stairs on his way to see Jeffrey. Oh, yeah. So Christian and myself, that's kind of why we're, you know, singled out along with Robert, you know, because you did see us more frequently. Anyhow, I was just saying that you really are part of our community now. I mean, it's great to see that you've gone to the Twin Peaks Festival, and recently oh, you were yeah. just at the Long Beach Comic Con, and now oh, you've wow. been doing other just Comic Cons. And just this weekend. That's and, awesome. uh, you know, I, I don't want to be like disruptive, but, you know, you might see us somewhere else next month. So. Cool. Okay, what's going on next month? There's a couple of things going on. Disruptive. Nothing is totally confirmed. Yeah. So let's see. There's a there's a there's a UK festival. We have some other comic cons. Disrupting. It's oh, disrupting. I, I, oh, I, oh I, I, how did I miss the? Uh, <laughs> He's in LA. Listen, it has been oh. it has been so exciting. I mean, first going to the comic cons was pretty exciting, but. Um, you know, that still wasn't necessarily my cup of tea, you know, although I really enjoy being there. It's becoming my cup of tea. Mm -hmm. uh, but going to the Twin Peaks Festival, oh, my God, that was like, whew, it was like being in Camelot. Yeah. <laughs> Seriously. Yeah. I mean, I've never been treated that way. And I don't know if you guys have been to North Bend. Have you yeah, been? last we, we year. Went, we went the previous year. Yeah. yeah. Oh my God! I could have stayed there forever. I know it's like beautiful. Heaven. It really is like heaven. Yeah. Twin Peaks heaven. I know. <laughs> oh, jeez. Uh, I mean, so yeah. I mean, I like I say personally, I've never been treated like that, you know, at all. And to have that kind of luxury treatment, have that many people endear, you know, get yeah. endeared to you, want their pictures, sign things and hang out with, you know, I mean, so to me, it's very, uh, yeah, it just doesn't end. 
Oh. Um, that was, but that by far was a, it was also a goal of mine, you know, like uh, without campaigning for it or anything mm. like that, but just hoping, hoping I'd made enough of a, a react, uh, you know, a wave that, you know, maybe I'd get invited. And sure enough, you know, they invited me, Christian. I mean, the woodsmen, I think the woodsmen in general were just the unexpected surprise. Definitely. Yeah. You know, I I don't know. I've only seen David once since uh, my last day of work, and that was at Paramount Studios a little while back for Q&A, a screening. They, they screened Part 18, and then David, Kyle, and Laura Dern did a Q&A afterwards. Wow. So... And this was for all TV industry professionals. So it was a four-year consideration screening for the Emmys. So that's the only other time I've seen David or Kyle. I met Laura Dern that night, but then had already known she was with us when we shot the parts of Part 8 that were, uh, you know, when Ray shot Cooper. Apparently, Laura Dern was there that night just working with David, hanging oh, out wow. with David. I didn't something? even know it. But she, remembered, she remembered seeing me there. So that was cool. That's wow. really cool. She was so nice. You know, I mean, Laura Dern. Talk about Twin Peaks family. Yeah. So we all kind of posed for a picture together, except David. David was already gone. This was after the Q&A and screening. So the group of us and Tammy uh, was there as well. Tammy Baird, Kristoff was there, you know, Ike the Spike, hmm. and Adele Jones, you know, Lieutenant uh, whatever her lieutenant she was. So, and we happened to be, we weren't together, we were all individual guests of TV Academy members huh. that were like friends. You know, a good friend of mine has just been in the Academy for maybe a year, you know, as a film composer, yeah. so... Uh, film and TV, you know, that sort of thing. So that was so exciting because those are also David Lynch's fans. They also become like little kids being in the room with so David. Cool. And I've been in the room with McCartney with other professionals. Wow. Every professional editor, <laughs> producer, director, camera operator, star. You get in the room with McCartney, you all become a little, you know, teenager again. Yeah. All, over, <laughs> all over again. Hey, I was almost that way with Ray Weiss the other day. Oh. I, I got to be next to Ray Weiss in Long Beach Comic Con. That's awesome. That, for me, was a win-win. Oh, yeah. oh God. Seems like such a nice guy. That guy. Yeah, and he, I just love everything he's in. Everything. I've yeah. never seen him anything I didn't like him in. You know? I agree. I, I, can't, I can't think of anything I've never not, not seen that. I, I know. He, so his, his part in Fargo... Uh, oh. was amazing oh yeah it was and I, you know what like I'm gonna say I'm like little I'm a teenage girl you, know, <laughs> maybe, you better believe I asked him about it or told him how much I dug it yeah it bowling alley scene in that and yeah so yes I did you know That's I awesome. mentioned it right away uh, so many things you know even the things that be, I was in a movie well I saw the movie because I was in it but it was called The Bronx Bull which I don't even think we can see here in the States. Huh. It's second Jake LaMotta story. And um, it covers like before the Raging Bull and oh. after Raging Bull. Wow. And it had nothing to do with Raging Bull. It had nothing to do with Scorsese. Huh. Uh, I worked in it for one night and I used a lot of stuff I did with Paul Servino. 
And Paul Servino is so much fun to be around. That guy will make anything fun. He starts mm. singing opera in the middle of the <laughs> Yeah, I just wanted to say Ray Weiss was in that movie playing a, a priest who was like t- training Jake LaMotta, first guy to get him in the boxing ring. Ah. And it's worth watching just to see Ray Weiss, uh, you know. Yeah. So, so, Stuart, you've got a new website. You've got a new podcast coming out. Can you talk about this this new podcast? Sure. Well, it's being called Into the Woods with Stuart Strauss, uh, primarily because that's my name. <laughs> and <laughs> can't really use anything, you know, that says Twin Peaks, Woodsman, or anything yeah. like that. Nor do I want to. I mean, I, I really do want to separate myself to some extent you know, from, uh, from that world. And cause there's other worlds I'm in, you know, I love the music. Uh, music is, you know, my first love. And, uh, so I plan on really, you know, featuring some people that not a lot of folks are going to know by name, but you've in the course of your lifetime going to concerts have probably seen some of these people. You've heard them on records. You've seen them on TV, you know, Usually, yeah. you know, I'm talking about session players, road warriors, you know, things like that. And composers, directors, uh, Josh Eisenstadt's agreed to come on, you know, Ooh. and talk about his filmmaking, you know, not about his fandom as, you know, for Twin Peaks, but more, I'll talk to Josh more as a filmmaker, you know. Awesome. That sort of thing. So um, other friends of mine that, again, in the music industry will talk about what it might be like, uh, how you know, depending how willing my friend Scott Page is to talk about it. But hmm. he toured the world with Pink Floyd. Wow. You know, uh, that's huge in the rock world. You don't get any bigger, really. Yeah. You know, I think I, I'm looking at your website. He also did Toto. And, and oh, yeah, yeah. Toto. Supertramp. Wow. Uh, wow. He played with Seals and Croft during their heyday of touring, you know, which led to a lot of these other bands. But Scott uh, played trumpet as a kid. His father was a session player, sax player, that played in the Lawrence Welk Orchestra. You used to see him every Sunday, you know, and as much as maybe I might have hated that and the Polka Parade and things like that, that was a good gig for a musician. Mm-hmm. You fed a family and got to buy a house and, yeah. you know, all of the above, you know, back in the day. And you guys, you'll have some of the Woodsmans on one of your shows? Oh, hey, <laughs> almost immediately. Uh, uh, Robert and Christian, well, Christian, by the way, Christian Calloway is extremely busy right now. He's working a lot. He's also in the Jack Black, Kate uh, Blanchett film that's coming out. Oh, wow. wow. Yeah, yeah. In, the Clock Inside. And the Kyle McLaughlin's in, in that, too. Yeah, Kyle McLaughlin's in that, too. Exactly. Yeah. Nice. Get to that. <laughs> yeah, Kyle um, is in it, and Christian has apparently, you know, I, I can't say much, but Christian's in it, too. Nice. That's so, awesome. You know. Yeah, so he's, you know, there's getting prepared for that premiere and those sort of things. Uh, but yeah, Robert uh, was willing to come in last week, but we we were just scrambling, you know, to get ready for the Comic-Con. Sure. And as far as the website goes, yeah, I've been kind of doing double duty, although I had my website built, you know, by professional, you know, uh, hopefully and did take a lot of my in in time and almost at the same exact time i've been setting up you know a recording studio nice so, oh, wow. which 
Yeah, and so both things simultaneously were just more than I could really chew at the same time, you know? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Because both have a learning curve. I mean, there's a, you know, fairly serious learning curve anything you oh know, yeah little, for sure two things at the same time mm -hmm. so that's what I'm, i've been tackling um when do you think the podcast will be out like when do you think that uh probably hopefully i'll be recording this week john piracelli wait listen there's going to be lots of twin peaks connections <laughs> <laughs> i do not want to say i'm gonna go away from that yeah you know, if I talk to people, maybe about another thing I worked on. You know, the people from I'm Dying up here. You know, yeah. Brad Garrett was there all last season. He was one of the, he made it fun every day. He was there to work, you know, go to work. You know, whoever I can get in. Not that I can get Brad Garrett. Mm -hmm. But uh, a lot of the guys you see at the comedy store here, you know, that are at the comedy store were also in that show. Yeah. I live about a mile from the comedy store now. Well. So, yeah, there's a, a multitude of, of folks I can get in. I'll probably um, do some music shows, just DJ an hour here, an hour there. You know, just things that are fun. I kind of miss doing live segues. Yeah. And, oh, and speaking of live, this is my other approach, because I did do a lot of live radio, mostly commercial. Um, instead of just doing all this through the web, or through a digital device, uh, through a computer. I also set up an actual mixer in the room so I can run other things. I can run several microphones. I can run a couple decks with, uh, you know, with music, you know, preloaded, uh, and very much run it like a live show and not have to edit later. Ooh, so that's not, nice. Not, yeah. yeah, be able to do live segues. Uh, and just do things spontaneously because that's what kept me alive in radio. That was a passion. You mm. couldn't get me to leave at the end of my shift. Mm. Even when I worked five, you know, seven, you know, five days a week, yeah. you know, eight hour days, you know, at midnight, I'd still have things I'd wanted to play, you know. And wanted <laughs> to do. Yeah. So I'm looking forward to kind of all these things and getting it going here pretty darn soon, like maybe this week. So, cool. getting back to my first scheduled guest has been John Puricello, Deputy Chad himself. Nice. You know, um, Chad, Chad. <laughs> John, <laughs> who, you know, we've become, I've become friends with so many of these folks over the last year, year plus, because that's just how it's been. It's just been amazing how we've all become family. Yeah. And that, you know, like I was even getting to, I know I've kind of been rambling, I suppose. But Laura Dern, um, when I asked her for a selfie after a group picture, she says to me, of course, we're family now. Uh, you know, And like she meant it, you know. Um, everybody, everybody from Sabrina Sutherland to people that were on the crew, other, you know, supporting actors, other background, whoever it is. We see each other maybe every month or two for a random dinner at a local restaurant, always someplace different, uh, just for fun. Not not that we're hiding from anybody, <laughs> yeah. you know, because believe me, no one cares. But, you know, we're just there to, you know, enjoy each other's company. Nice. You know, and uh, yeah. So and then when we've had the pop ups and now the Comic Cons, and whatever it may be. And of course, the Twin Peaks, you know, festivals. I mean, that was you know, hey, for me to get to meet Al Strobel, and Al, wish you the 
very best. You know, the man yeah. had a heart attack. Yeah. Right? Yeah, Apparently but he's, he's doing well. He's recuperating. Yeah. And yeah. Him all the best. So I got to meet Al and hang out with him a little bit. And Carl, you know, um, these were people, you know, I watched like everybody else, you know, in the yeah. original series. And we, I got to talk to both of them a little bit about how they learned their lines backwards and things like that, you know, which is, you know, that takes a, that's quite a skill. Anyways, so that's just been so exciting. And I'll say like Ray Weiss with his Cheryl and Finn's been at a couple of these yeah. shows. Kimmy, I, I, you know, become friends with Kimmy Robertson now. That's I've awesome. even, you know, done like uh, John uh, has a little, you know, private acting coaching and improv thing going on. Oh. So I've been at John's, you know, improv group. Uh, hung out with them a little bit now. And, you know, and John, by the way, is, uh, you know, in the cast of Barry, Bill Hader's show. On yes. Oh, yeah. Oh, well, and that is really a terrific show. It is. Very yeah. I'm behind, but I enjoyed it. It's a really funny show. Oh, yeah. Well, yeah. so they're just going, getting ready to shoot season two is what he said this last weekend. Oh, wow. So, when you were at Long Beach uh, Comic Con, I love that you uh, recorded some of it. So you see John, like you're going to table to table oh, and you saw, cool. you saw John and then I think uh... yeah yeah that was fun um, yeah especially you know they had the little you know C-3PO uh, is that what that little guy's called or whatever the thing was from the droid came up from behind me and like hit the back of my R2-D2 leg R2-D2 it was R2 I'm sorry R2-D2 so he came up and hit me behind the leg kind of surprised me you know Oh, so man. that was that was fun. Uh, yeah, and of course, going from table to table and not, you know, just whatever someone was going to yeah. say or not say. And the things you didn't see were like, I went by, you know, there was someone there from Game of Thrones. Huh. Um, but as I went by his table, his handler agent said, no pictures, no pictures. <laughs> oh, yeah. It's like, so, you don't know who I am. I am the woodsman. How oh, dare you? it didn't you? matter. But, yeah. you know, hey, if I say I don't want my picture taken, yeah. I don't want my picture taken. Right. I mean, it's really that That's respect. Simple. Yeah. Yeah. So um, I, you know, you didn't see it. You know, I respected it and just did a little snip before it. You know, I wish I'd done that an hour earlier. You would have seen Cheryl and Finn. Oh, I would have liked to have seen it. <laughs> you know, but uh, yeah. yeah, they were gone by that time. Oh, yeah. You know, so. Well, we're, we're so yeah. excited to see your uh, podcast whenever it comes out. Listen to your podcast. Yeah. Can't okay, wait. Well, hey, uh, you know, I'll certainly put links up to it or notices on all social media. Yeah. And you know, for anyone that wants to know, uh, StuartStrauss.net. StuartStrauss.com was already taken, so couldn't have that. So it's S T E W A R T S T R A U S S. I'll have whatever info up there. I've got a blog. Uh, I guess I wrote a little something maybe right before Long Beach. You know, and I'll do a little recap there as well. And yeah, how can my, people follow you, too? You're also on Twitter as well. Can, how can people Twitter follow Twitter and Instagram both as at Stu Strauss. Just uh, S-T-E-W, forget the art part. You know, I take care of the art myself. Hmm. So. Anyway, uh, yeah, Stu Strauss on both Instagram and Twitter. And, yeah, and I'll keep it posted. 
Thank you, Stuart, for coming on the show. It was great talking with you. Fascinating guy. I mean, we could probably talk to him for hours. Oh, I'm sure. Hours upon hours. Yeah, good guy. Yeah, very genuine, very down to earth. He he really is right for podcasts. Like, I think his shows are going to be great because he long format conversation. Yeah. And Perfect. he has a lot of interesting things to say, and he knows people, and it just—I can't wait to check out his shows. Yeah, uh, um, and we'll—we will definitely let everybody know on social media when his first show lands. We'll definitely share that knowledge with everybody because it seems—if like, it hasn't already. <laughs> yeah, who knows? Um, he has things planned from and his what well, his web page says and what you just heard, but we'll keep everybody posted. I'm excited. I'm—I will subscribe to it as soon as I see it available. Yeah. I'm waiting patiently. And he's going to have other woodsmen on with him. I can't wait for that show. (laughs) (laughs) It's just woodsmen talking about woodsmen things. So what would you do today? I cut down a tree. What did you do today? I hung out in the woods. Right. And I believe his podcast is Into the Woods. I don't remember if we said that on the show. Yeah, Yeah, Into the Woods. All right. But if you got a comment, you got a question, you got a theory, give us an email at TwinPeaksUnwrapped at gmail.com. We'll be sure to answer on a future feedback show. But we appreciate all the email we get from everybody. And you can drop us... A like or a follow on the good old Facebook and Twitter with Twin Peaks Unwrapped. Leave us a five-star review at iTunes. Subscribe to us on iTunes. It always helps. It gets our show out there more. And we're also on Spotify. And if you're if you're playing games, you know you're playing the new Spider-Man game. Good game. You can uh, listen to Twin Peaks Unwrapped on Spotify. That's awesome. Which is really awesome. Very cool. And we're on Stitcher as well. So check us on Google Play. Google Play. I always forget about Google Play. So we're on all those platforms also, the podcast is sent right to the YouTube, so if you're on YouTube, you can listen to us there. And don't forget to support Twin Peaks Unwrapped with our T Public page. The link is in the show notes. Buy a t-shirt, buy a phone case, buy a mug for that loved one this holiday season. And the proceeds will go to supporting this podcast and keeping it online for years to come. Thank you to everyone who's been supporting us. Yes, thank you, everybody. And with all that being said, we'll see you next week. These woodsmen are back here at, uh, going around this one. Okay. You know, they're going around. This person, maybe all the doors are locked. Okay. And they're going around. So they're busy. This woodsman comes out like this and stops his car. As this one's coming up, yeah, he comes slow. out like this. Whoa, like this. And he stops. Comes over. They, they get kind of mesmerized. And they open up the door. His light comes on. Lightning shoots out. There's kind of some bright lights come up, and you see this face, and this man comes up, and not like a normal man, and he says, got a light, and he's kind of like an alien, and so you're, you're, you start, you start hyperventilating and start trying to scream, and trying to build it up, build it up, go away, go away, you start saying, go away, and, and, and you're, and go, go, like this to your husband, okay, and you, and you can start screaming, you know, as, as it goes, and, and he's going to have the door open to see if this man needed help at first. And now he's going to start going, he's going to start going crazy. Another one's going to come out, and you scream when that one comes out. He swerves and he misses it, and we're all free. This is the water, and this is the well. Drink full, and this is. This is the water, and this is the well. Drink full, and descend. The horse is the white of the eyes.
dark within. is the white of the eyes. 